maybe this table should stay in the front yard. And maybe, you know, we could start doing our ordinary activities, dinner, pizza on, you know, paper plates, homework, bubble blowing, you know, things that our family was already doing. But what if we were to do it in a more visible way and do it in the front yard? That's Kristen Schell. And today on Focus on the Family, you'll hear her unique story about how she began loving her neighbors in a more intentional way. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, it's so easy to drive in and out of our garages and not get to know our neighbors. And I think it takes away from what the Lord can do through you in your neighborhood to touch people in His name. And uh, we're going to discuss that today with a very special guest. This is one of those programs that uh, should equip you to think a little differently. I think help train your children as well how to look at the world around them and have an impact in the name of Christ. Yeah, this is a fun, unique, and inspiring story about ways that you can show hospitality. And our guest is, as I said, Kristen Schell. Uh, She's the author of the book, The Turquoise Table, Finding Community and Connection in Your Own Front Yard. And uh, she and her husband, Tony, have four children. They live with their family in Austin, Texas. Kristen, welcome to Focus on the Family. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. First, I want to know about your kids. How old are your kids? Well, Will is our oldest, and he's a senior in high school. So he's a you know graduating. And then Anna is almost 17, and Ellie is 15, and Sarah is almost 11. How do you have time to be here at Focus on the Family? Because I have three <laughs> teenagers and a middle schooler. And yeah. so <laughs> you're taking a little day off. Exactly, just a day off. And you're not far away. You live in Austin. Not far That's away. That's a at fun all. city. Yes. Hey, before we dive into the turquoise table, um, I want to go back to what started your love for food and fellowship around the table which I think is an important part of your story. And it's my understanding it started with receiving an F in high school. Yes. Now, are you fessing up to that? I'm going to fess You told up. thousands of people now. Right? Well, lead with your failure, right? Okay, well, let's do it. <laughs> so, so let's do it. Let's you, just get it all out you in get the an open. F in? French. I <laughs> oh, failed I can understand French. that. I could totally understand that. You know, and in the, the world's problems, this is not high up there. But when you are in high school <laughs> and you're going to have that glaring F on your transcript, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's going to follow you around. It's going to follow you around. Anyway. Okay, it, so how did mom and dad respond to that when you came home? Well, they were nervous because, you know, they they're like, okay, first of all, it's French. You know, so it's not <laughs> like it was math or it was English or something. It was French. But, you know, it was, it was a failure. And so they tried, like, good parents they were like let's get tutors or you know maybe if we help her out let me just tell you there was no helping this out my brain for whatever reason was not going to learn the language and so this is is crazy but on a sort of this last ditched effort they sent me on a summer immersion program in france (laughs) right (laughs) they were they were committed well the school the school the teachers were committed i'm their first child and so they didn't know they didn't want to mess up they were all nervous (laughs) But here's the thing, like, that sounds like a dream. Oh, and, you know, sort of a bless your heart, as we say in Texas, you know, to go to France. But I hated sleepover camp. I didn't like to spend the night out. And so, you know, like leaving, I was a homebody. And so, you know, going to France, you know, to stay with a family and live in a country where clearly I, you know, couldn't (laughs) speak because, hello, the F. And so it it was not, it was a nightmare for me. Um, But at the ripe old age of 15, I found myself in a teeny tiny town. Oh, my goodness. Living with a family and not understanding a word. What would you like to say to your mom and dad today? Today, I would tell them thank you. At the time, you know, I clearly thank you was not on my lips or in my heart. But, um, But thank you because, you know what I learned, and of course I didn't know this at the time, but what I learned was 
that hospitality, the Greek root of that, and it means love of strangers. Huh. And so I was a stranger in a foreign land, clearly not understanding the language. And I've yeah. never felt so loved and mm. like I belonged at the table. Huh. And it was, you know, now I can look back and go, aha, that's what God was doing. At the time, of course, you know, it was muddied and I didn't I didn't understand sure. that. But the food and the ritual of sitting at the table, the French have it going on. I mean, they sit at the dinner table two hours at night. Um, and Very relaxed. Very relaxed. And they conversation flowed. Now, remember, I couldn't understand a lot of it. But I knew that what was happening around that table was something I mean, it was it was contagious and it was enthralling, and I knew that it was something I wanted to be a part of. Mm-hmm. That that whole Mediterranean culture is like that too. I've had the pleasure of being in Spain and France and other places, but there is a different pace, right? And it's a beautiful one, right? And it, one that we should embrace here in the United States more so, rather than the hurry up. We grade ourselves on how fast we can eat, exactly, and we get an A plus if we're like down to ten minutes. We could do dinner in ten minutes. We exactly. microwave it, put it on the table, quickly eat it talk to each other for a couple of seconds, and then we're done and off to our sporting events. Right. And that's where I was growing up, you know, because this was my soft- after my sophomore year in high school. And and so that's the world that already, even in the 80s, I was living in, you mm. know, a very fast-paced, you know, life. And so it, more so than the language, which, by the way, I ended up being a French major, but more than mastering you went the right language. right to your weakness. I did get right <laughs> to my weakness, but it, well, this is just what God does, right? But but more than mastering that language, it was the lifestyle. It was the, you know, eye to eye, you know, good conversation, food is nourishment for the soul, and just that family time around a table. So how did you get the idea of a picnic bench and what happened? So this, I mean, again, it was it was kind of on a whim. I was having a, a party with a neighbor and a friend of mine, and I needed an extra place to seat some people. We were doing a barbecue, and um, it was in the backyard, so it was very casual. And so I ordered a picnic table. I mean, this is just a plain old table, like everybody has seen, the wooden picnic tables. And I ordered it from Lowe's because they could deliver it and have it assembled <laughs> the next day, and that's what I needed. And it was under 100 bucks, so that made Tony happy. It's all and getting good. It was all getting good. And so when they delivered it, it's heavy. Picnic tables are heavy. They put it outside right next to the edge of our street, kind of underneath this magnolia tree. In the front yard. In the front yard. <laughs> and then they came to get me to ask where I wanted it. And so when I walked out to follow the delivery guys, I saw that picnic table underneath the tree, and it was an aha moment. It re- huh. it took my breath away because I had been sort of in this holy restlessness for five or six years trying to figure out how to offer hospitality, how to get to know my neighbors, how can I do all this? And I saw that table, and I know it sounds crazy, but I was like, this is it. Maybe this table should stay in the front yard. And maybe, you know, we could start doing our ordinary activities, dinner, pizza on, you know, paper plates, homework, bubble blowing, you know, things that our family was already doing. But what if we were to do it in a more visible way and do it in the front yard? And, um, Boy, that's so counterintuitive. It is very I'm counterintuitive. Just going, Why would I want to do that? Why would you want to do that? <laughs> I get it. I get it. And it t- so, and when I went in and explained to the children and the, and to Tony, um, you know, Austin's motto, our kind of our self-proclaimed motto um, for Austin is "Keep Austin Weird." Yeah, and I think that it w- fits. It does fit. And so I figured, <laughs> you know, they're like, "Good mom," you know, but picnic table in the front yard, doing your part to keep Austin weird. 
But to me, it was like, what if it became like the old village well, you know, where we weren't burdened by the pressures of entertainment. So I'm no longer now worried about cooking for people. The house doesn't have to be clean, you know, because people are going to be in the front yard. Tony just has to make sure the lawn is cut. Tony just has to make sure the lawn is cut. (laughs) That's pressure. It's pressure. But he he has risen to the occasion, um, <laughs> mostly because I'm outside in the front yard now and not in the house. <laughs> so, right. But it caught on. It became a thing in our neighborhood. So what happened? You sit down that first day, and what are you thinking should happen? What's your expectation? Mm-hmm. And then what does happen? So here's a little teeny bit more of the backstory, too, was I, I knew that I needed, I call it a great hospitality hack. Like I said, like I didn't, we, you know, we wanted to kick perfection to the curb. I, you know, I knew I wanted to bring people together. But I didn't want it to always be a thing, you know, a book club, a Bible study, a supper club, because that overwhelms people. Um, And so I thought, okay, what if we were to do something and just be present? What if we were to slow down long enough and just be present in each other's lives? And I did not know about, I'd never heard the term ministry of presence before. And so through just reading and, and great discipleship, I, um, I've, I've learned about the ministry of presence, which is also very counterintuitive because we're and, wired yeah, to be, hard. you know, human doings. Mm-hmm. Yes. But what this message was to me was just human being. Like, what if? What if we were to take 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and just be present with one another? Like, what could happen? Okay, that's weird, right? You know, like, okay. So I thought, well, I'm going to go outside and just be present in my front yard at a turquoise picnic table. Like, I've lost my marbles. Well, that's the other point. You ended up painting it. I painted it at turquoise because color. it's my favorite color, yeah. right? And so now you've got, I mean. So nice dark wood would be, you know. Maybe, but then, I, you know, <laughs> I was like, but that's so boring, yeah. you know. Yeah. So you'd go turquoise. So I went turquoise. And so I remember the day that God was very gracious. It rained for about a week after we painted it because he knew I needed some courage to get up. You think he wasn't trying to wipe it off? I, I, well, we'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see. Maybe. I think, point taken. You didn't I'm think gonna, of that one, huh? No, I'm all nervous again. He's going, okay, more, more rain, more, more rain. rain. It's more still rain. turquoise, though. No, I'm sure he loves it. I think it was to give me courage. And there you so go. I did. That did, The very first day I went out and I took a whole bunch of stuff to look like I was busy. Like I knew what I was doing at a turquoise well, this is yard. important too, though. You took your busy work out I there. I did, which and hello, that, yeah. But that was all I knew, right? <laughs> because it's perfectly normal to do a bunch of paperwork and stuff out there, right? Well, and table. it was the mail, and yeah. But I, it, again, but think about that insecurity. You know, that's yeah. what I was feeling, and so clearly, I lived right into it. But y'all, about t- five minutes after sitting down there pretending like I was busy, I a, a neighbor walked by, and I had never even seen her before. So not somebody I had even waved at. I didn't. And we struck up a conversation, and 30 minutes later, you know, we were having just an incredible conversation, exchanging emails and phone numbers and talking about neighborly things. And that was almost five years ago, and now I cannot imagine not knowing Susan. Kristen, uh, in fact, you had an encounter with an elderly couple that made an impression on you. What happened? Well, we our neighborhood is very multi-generational. That's good. And so Tony and I were one of the very first you know, um, I, I think of us as younger, younger but, you know, the, yeah. the, to, to buy from the original homeowners. And so now um, we've, we've become one of the older couples. But at the time, there, you know, we were we were the young ones. And so the neighbors um, around us, I noticed um, that they they were starting, they weren't as out as much. And so it, <laughs> and it, but it, it became clear to me that one of the things of community is noticing. 
and paying attention, you know. And so after a few days um, of, you know, noticing habits of, of our neighbors, it became clear that maybe they needed looking in after, looking, you know, looking on um, to. And Elizabeth is one of our neighbors. And Elizabeth walks her dog. She's in her 80s. And she walks her dog Clyde almost every day still. But here's the thing. When you notice that and when you realize her rhythm and her patterns and then Elizabeth isn't walking a dog one day, it makes you wonder. You know, she's living alone. Is she okay? Is she okay? And so we'll go over and check on on each other. And that may not seem like a big deal, um, but I believe in God's economy it is. Um, Mm. Neighbors right across the street from us. Um, one day we had a coyote problem in the neighborhood, and we live in Austin, and we're right kind of in the center of town, but there there were coyotes that were in our neighborhood. And so for a lot of us, there were Facebook, you know, kind of, or emails or texts going around, be careful, make sure kittens, and, you know, just taking care of one another. But I knew that the neighbors across the street wouldn't have any of that technology or the way to know that. And so it was wonderful to be able to go over and sit down and end up in their kitchen table, you know, kind of on coyote alert to take care of them. And it starts really small in that way. But these things over time matter. And Kristen, so often... um I think as a culture, we like to keep it at a superficial level because I can manage that emotionally. You know, if we just talk about news, weather, and sports, then everything's good. But oftentimes, as believers in Christ, he wants more from us. He wants us to provide his peace in these areas of chaos around us. And that's sometimes in your neighbor's lives, right? So you've even had some pretty dramatic situations as well. We have. And that's, you know, like, to your point, you know, it's like, but you've got to kind of get to know the dog walker first. And you have to be able to be trusted and then, you know, have that coffee when you're on coyote patrol first. (laughs) But the reason those things matter is because life is hard and we all know it. And, and it's in every single, no matter your neighborhood, there are hard things going on behind those garage doors, behind those apartment doors, um, and no neighborhood is immune to it. And ours is no exception. And we've had, you know, all the things in our neighborhood. We've had the cancer diagnosis. We've yeah. had the divorce. We've had the prodigal child. We have had recently a story um, of dear neighbors of ours whose daughter came, you know, was, is a heroin addict um, and lost her life. You know, what starts small in many ways um, and can seem insignificant as getting to know a neighbor and talking to, walking their dogs, I would have never known them, though, mm, had yeah. we not been present in our front yard. And then we were able to serve and come alongside in their deepest hour of need. Kristen, you're describing this. I'm reminded of uh, research that comes out every year. It's I think it's called the Loneliness Index, and it's never been higher than it is right now. Right. And when you look at that, you think of all the social media connection, all the Pinterest stuff and Facebook stuff, and you can connect in so many ways. But people are more lonely today than they've ever been. And really what you're describing is an antidote to that loneliness where when you can, as neighbors, share the burdens, the emotional burdens of each other, it makes life so much richer, so much better, Um, even in the midst of difficulty, um, when that daughter moves back and she's struggling in that way for those neighbors to be able to come and talk with you and kind of pour their heart out to you. That's what you're talking about. It's exactly. And that's really what I saw in my children, you know, or before I knew about the the turquoise table before, you know, any of this, I, you know, I noticed, you know, Tony and I, you know, are raising digital natives. Yeah. You know, Sarah was born 
six weeks before the iPhone came out. And so she will never know a time in her life right. without knowing at least what it is. And so as their communication styles and skills started to change, mm-hmm. you know, there wasn't really a manual for yeah. that as a mom. Yeah. And so Tony and I were concerned and we were like, you know, what do we do as parents as these di- raising these digital natives? And part of my concern, too, was in this digital era, to your point, yes, we're more connected than ever in history. And yes, we are lonelier. And part of that is losing the art of just conversation. Yeah. Back to that conversation that, you know, I was having in France. And so I was worried that my children, you know, who were learning about emojis and texting and things like this, could they even someday sit at a table Hold for a two hours and have a conversation? And so part of that, you know, was my heart and, and desire was to steward a place that that would help teach not only the kids and let's be honest i'm on my phone too i love it technology can be used for good yeah but to practice those skills and so uh, because the hard times are coming well i was going to ask you about that i mean there you are sitting at the turquoise table in your front yard did your kids come out did your husband come out or did you have to bribe them with special dessert it depends (laughs) it depends a little of both and because you probably have both extroverts and introverts in your family if you're like every other family so for the extroverts, it was a fun thing. Let's go try this. How about the introverts in your you know, family? This is so interesting. And this comes up early on in the conversation. So I'm not surprised it's come up with us. You know, introverts are like, oh, but this is hard and scary. And Tony is, I mean, my husband, he is an introvert. And he loves it for a couple of reasons. And here's why. Because I cannot speak as an introvert. I don't have an introverted, <laughs> I you, can know, see that. you know, bone in my body. So <laughs> I, you know, but I have it on good authority from several introverted friends that there's something so relaxing and comforting about being outside you know you don't feel trapped there's like an easy way out it's a front yard you can leave right um and then and by design picnic tables are small they're only meant to seat four maybe six eight if you squish and so it's that intimate conversation that it's fostering so which it's not like introverts getting, love. which introverts love so yeah. it's not like mm-hmm. getting stuck at a big party where you're like oh show me the door and uh, right. you know this is exhausting me and so it meets a need you know for everyone yeah. And that's so good. And the kids have responded well. You haven't damaged your children? I, well, I don't know. I don't know. Let's wait on that. You know, it's interesting. Let's wait on, Let's wait on that. that. I can't. I'm not going to speak for them either. You, you, you know, you can have them. We, we have one on the line now. Do no, you? I'm kidding. Here it is. Here's the, here's, here it is. Mom, I'm in counseling. Exactly. Because of all those strangers you brought to the house. Right? Oh, who knows? But, you know, it's interesting. They have, you know, and they're teenagers now. So and all, you know, people do ask, what do the kids think about it? And um, I'm not allowed to post photos of them or talk about them. <laughs> at the table, which is, I mean, that's, that's no, fair. That's good. But they use it too. Yeah. They use it too. And I think that that's so important. You know, and Sarah is the youngest. And, and this is a great story of how our children are watching us and at all times. And yeah. so we had new neighbors that moved in just recently. And I was sick. I had laryngitis at the time. And we were kind of hoping it wasn't the flu and whatnot. And, but we saw the moving van and we knew they were coming. And shame on me, it had been like three days and I had not gone over and introduced myself. And again, you know, I was sick and didn't want to, you know, take all the germs over. But Sarah, at 10 years old, said, Mom, this is, I'm going over on behalf of the family oh, wow. and introducing ourselves. And so she did. She walked That's across great. the street, banged on the door. I don't know what she said, but she told me, she said, we're the shells. Here's my mom's number. Welcome to the neighborhood. When mom's feeling better, she'll be over soon. And that to me, you know, it might be the one thing I remember of this whole entire yeah. year that, <laughs> that that maybe Victory. I did it right. I, I'm claiming it only because it's so rare. <laughs> but 
They do. They notice. Yeah. And and That's that good. was powerful to mm-hmm. me as a mom. Now, you've done this. Thousands of people are following suit. I right? mean, this has become a thing, the, a thing. the turquoise yeah. uh, table. Who knew? And uh, what were some of those barriers? Or if you could rattle off three or four of the reasons people say, ah, you know what? Love to try it. That's great for you. I'm not quite wired that way. I mean, what are those barriers for us? I'm sure people listening right now are oh, saying, sure. well, the, here's why I wouldn't Here are do the it. obvious ones. You know, homeowners associations, you know, Maybe That's my neighborhood is not going to let me put a turquoise picnic table in my front yard. I don't live in a neighborhood. I mean, in a in, in a house, or, or I I live in a very urban setting, and so I don't have a front yard. Or in Texas, I live on a huge ranch and don't see neighbors for months and months and months. And so one of the things that we have brainstormed, because remember when I started this, this was just my table. I had no idea that I would become kind of the turquoise table lady and people would ask these questions. It's amazing. And so one of the things that we do is we just brainstorm. Like, notice, what's what's the rhythm of your neighborhood? Because what works in Minnesota isn't going to work in Texas. And what works in Colorado Springs isn't going to work in Florida. But every neighborhood. And if you have a home of any kind of dwelling, you have a neighborhood. And so what are the rhythms? Where do people naturally tend to gather? Where do they gravitate? And one of the biggest pleasures I have is letting like that same aha moment when the table was delivered to my front yard is when someone catches that vision for their neighborhood or their community. And they think, wow, you know, we we could put it in the park or we could put a table at the library or and, you know, they answer their own question. Well, that's what I hope people hear. Yes. I mean, we can get hung up on a picnic table. Right. That's not really it. It's a no. it's a junction. It's a facilitator of communication. I always say the table is not the hero of the story. God's people are. And so if it's just a, if it's an encouragement or if it's just a, a reminder of, you know, that we belong at his table. What a whimsical, fun way to do it. Describe how it has spread. What's the dimension of the turquoise table now? Well, it, it's we're, there are turquoise tables in communities in all 50 states and I think 11 countries. Oh my. And so it's just, um, I mean, takes my breath away. France? I mean, Does France have yes, one? Yes, I know. That's the one I want to go visit. <laughs> I've got to ask. I want to go visit. That's yes, that's the one I want to visit. Yeah, right? you got to go sit at that table right. and practice um, your language skills. But every morning I wake up and, you know, there, there are emails of people sharing their stories and how it's transformed their neighborhoods in the most simple and most beautiful, profound ways that I, I'm in awe still, just as much as I was that day that the mm-hmm. table arrived, because I can't believe, first of all, that this is how God would ask me to go on mission. Yeah. I mean, that's really creative of God, right? A turquoise picnic table. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that just is... Well, it, if he wasn't trying to wash it If he wasn't trying to wash it away. And, but you know, so, far, big brainstorm, so but far... Maybe, no, I could go with turquoise. <laughs> God makes turquoise, right? God did make turquoise. That's right. Hey, let me ask you, um, years back now, yeah. this all started, how many years ago? Seven, eight years? Five. Ago? Okay, five years ago. Mm-hmm. As you look at it now, you know, on behalf of the person that's listening going, ah, I'm never doing that. I wouldn't do that. That's so outside of my capability or my interest. What are the things that you've learned over those five years, the two or three core things that if you would be less rich in your spiritual life, in your emotional life, if you had not done it five years ago? Speak to that person who's the naysayer. Right. Go ahead and try it, the challenge. Try it. Here it is. Well, first of all, just on a very basic and personal level, I did not know any of my neighbors. I knew a few by name. I could wave at them. We were friendly. And now 
I cannot imagine not knowing these people. And, and you I, know them in a depth. In a depth. Oh, yeah. absolutely. When you've attended funerals, when you've attended births, mm-hmm. when you are taking dinners down and praying over, you know, diagnoses. Um, and so it's the highs and lows, all the celebrations. But to me, like – you sure can go through life and skim on all of that and just have that surface level. But once you've tasted that good bit of community and relationship, it is so hard to go back. (laughs) You know, Kristen, this is so good. You're really challenging us to be a good neighbor. That's what I'm hearing today. Use a table. That's great. It gives you a reason and an object to do it. But you're saying be a good neighbor. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. My pleasure. We do hope you've been inspired to reach out and to love your neighbor more intentionally. And of course, a great starting place is Kristen Schell's book, The Turquoise Table. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller. Kristen Schell has certainly challenged me to start thinking differently about opportunities with my neighbors. It's very easy to hide behind our walls or fences and never interact with our neighbors at all. But when I hear the impact that this one lady and her family have had on the community and the world at large, I feel stirred to action. In her book, The Turquoise Table, Kristen gives you stress-free ideas for kick-starting your own turquoise table. Simple recipes to take outside and share with others, stories from people using turquoise tables in their neighborhoods, encouragement to overcome barriers that will keep you from connecting, and new ways to view hospitality. What a great tool to help you get started. Log on to safamily.co.za to shop online or give us a call on 031 716 to order your copy. Thanks for joining us today. For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.